What's going on, NFL football fans? This is the NFL All 32 podcast presented by Football Game Plan. David Hashagen here along with the czar of the playbook, Emery Hunt, and Alex Marinoni. Troy Anthony not in this week, could not make it in this week. He had some pro- previous obligations that he had to attend to. But gentlemen, it's just the three of us, another wacky week, and now we're... We're, what, four weeks out from the end of the year? Three weeks away? This is craziness. Season is flying. Just it's definitely <laughs> flying this and, year. And the intrigue is through the roof, Emery. I think we can calmly say. Intrigue yeah, so is. a lot that's going on in the league that makes every week must-see TV. We're going to talk about all of that, folks. We'll get into week 14 in just a second. We will talk about the inconsistency of officiating not like that's ever happened before in the nfl especially not this season um we're going to talk about teams that maybe we should be concerned about we'll talk houston we'll talk seattle we'll talk buffalo uh we'll see what you know what's going on there and we'll tackle the question of Jameis winston what the hell do you do (laughs) when you have this kind of quarterback we'll talk about all that but let's get into the scores we'll go back and forth between the two of you on this one and we'll start with thursday night Another Thursday game, but the same result for the Dallas Cowboys. They lose to the Chicago Bears, 31-24. Dallas still can't beat a team that has a winning record or better. Dak Prescott is 6-9 on the road since 2018, and this Cowboys team is trying, actively trying, to not win this division. Yeah, it's crazy, man. They just got to find a way to be consistent offensively. Uh, They get started late, but I think... The bigger issue is their defense. They truly can't stop anybody, yeah. and that has to be concerning. If you're lo- allowing 31 points to Chicago, this year's Chicago, you've got an issue. Next one up, on to Sunday. Falcons taking on the Panthers. Falcons' last few weeks have actually looked better, especially in the last month, and their offense keeps putting up numbers. 40-20, to 20, they get the win. They've won eight of the last nine against Carolina. Yeah, this is a Falcons team that pretty much understands that their season's done, but they're playing inspired ball. They want to go out on a high note, and they ran into a Panthers team that just fired their head coach and looked like a team that was just lost out there on both sides of the ball. Completely lost whatsoever, uh, especially with the coaching situation now in Carolina. Of course, we record this podcast, folks, and then news breaks. This is just our luck uh, with Ron Rivera out in Carolina. The next game up, Ravens taking on the Bills. Ravens again showed that they have a little bit more problem with athletic defenses um, than they normally do. Buffalo gave them every bit of a scare, but the train keeps rolling along 24-17 in Buffalo. Ravens clinch a playoff spot. I don't think this game was as close as, as the score may indicate. If it wasn't for a bunch of penalties on that last drive that helped Buffalo move down the field, the Ravens essentially, uh, once they scored at 24th point, they were in control of this ball game. Josh Allen couldn't really do anything in the passing game. He has to find ways to hit passes past 15 yards. Yes. The deep ball is there for them all day long. He just has to hit it. He hasn't been able to hit it. He's improved in the short area accuracy, but deep ball accuracy, he's still widely inconsistent, and I think that cost him yesterday against Baltimore. Exactly. We move on to the next one now, the battle for Ohio. Cincinnati taking on Cleveland. Even when Cleveland wins things, they, they can't get away from the controversy here. Uh, Baker Mayfield with some foot and mouth disease talking about the training staff post game, But on the field, Cleveland gets the win, 27-19. to They go to 6-7. and This is six-plus wins for Cleveland in two straight seasons for the first time since 0102. That's the Bottlegate era of Cleveland Browns football. It's been a while. Nice win for Cleveland. 
but they still can't have nice things. Yeah, I mean, the, at first they were lucky to escape with this win. Uh, yes. They Bengals had it down at the end, and uh, very strange play call to have a QB draw with Andy Dalton. Dalton definitely makes his team better, <laughs> but that's just not his game. That's not something that uh, he can do well. Um, but yeah, uh, the Browns get the win, but amid controversy, more talks with uh, Baker Mayfield attacking the training staff and uh, trying to give Odell uh, some back here on his sports hernia injury, something that probably should have been addressed early on if that yeah. is the case, but who knows? It's just more drama, and it takes away from another Cleveland Brown win. Odell may be leaving at the end of the season. The rumors starting to swirl there as well. Five-year, $90 million extension. I'm not sure how that's legally allowed, but we've seen Antonio Brown and many others do it. So yeah, You might see it here. Let's move on to the next one. This was a defensive struggle that we maybe not weren't expecting too much. Green Bay taking on Washington. Uh, Packers hold on and get the win 20-15 to in Green Bay. But Washington is playing much better football over the last month. Well, what changed over the last month? Quarterback play. Exactly. So I think what they should do is just go up-tempo. Haskins seems to play better in two-minute offense and in in an up-tempo situation. Plus, it helps mitigate their offensive line issues because if they're trying to develop anything deep down the field, it won't happen with that pass pro. Plus, they really need a healthy, young running back. That makes a world of difference for this offense. But defensively, that's been the addition, uh, additional part of, of why they've played so many close games and why they've won two games in this the last five. Their defense has gotten better. Much better. And you talk about running backs, there's quite a few that might come out in this draft class that they may want to take a look at. Get the healthy ones. Next one up, Houston taking on Denver. Houston's fighting for the playoff spot. Denver's kind of done. But all of a sudden, the Drew Locke era is in full effect in Denver. They get the win 38-24. Houston lays a major egg. Yeah, I mean, this is exactly what we brought up last week. Houston being that after beating a team like the Patriots, can you be that consistent powerhouse? Is this the year that they really take over as one of the top teams in the AFC and then you lay an egg like this? Now, a lot of credit to Drew Locke in his second start going off for 309 yards and three touchdowns, 22 of 27. It's just a heck of a completion percentage. Um, played very well. And, uh, I mean, they really dominated this game. It took some Watson heroics at the end to really keep this, to get them back into this game. But this was really all Denver in this one. It didn't even look like they were playing the same game at one point yeah absolutely dominant from denver houston may have to uh start biting their fingernails they may not make the postseason if they keep going at this minnesota taking on detroit minnesota we didn't expect them to have too much trouble in this game but they did they get the win 20 to 7 uh hunter though is the big story in this game from minnesota youngest player with 50 plus career sacks incredible job i feel like it's a quiet 50 plus career extremely sacks. Uh, but he's a tremendous player, and David Blau kind of came back to earth in this one, through for yep. a lot of passes, uh, a lot of pass attempts, but not a lot of yards. And the Vikings win against a team they're supposed to beat, which normally hadn't been the case for Minnesota. On to the boring game of the weekend. Uh, did anything happen between New Orleans and San Francisco? Um, it, oh, my goodness. What a wild game this was. Uh, huge implications as well. Both teams fighting for the number one seed. San Francisco and Jimmy Garoppolo gets the win. That's his, this is his sixth game-winning drive in the fourth quarter or later. You can't take that away from him in his short starting career. They went 48-46. Greg Kittle, 
probably could have dragged half the New Orleans team to the end zone at the end, in the fourth quarter. Huge win for the 49ers. Yeah, did not see 94 total points scored in this game <laughs> no. coming from these two teams. Uh, it was just a crazy, crazy game. One of the best games of the year. And a lot of a lot of uh, ups to Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, we've been sort of, uh, we've kind of killed him a little bit at times in this mixed, season. because mixed. Yeah, I mean, we've seen that he is he's a good player and everything. But this is, in my opinion, this was the first game that he won. That he yeah. just, this was my game. And, I mean, he did it against the Cardinals. Did it twice. But um, against a real opponent like this in New Orleans, um, this was a huge test. And he answered the bell. He looked like everything that they paid him for in this game. Um, I mean, if you said New Orleans scored 46 at home against my team and they still lost, I mean, big ups just for the 49ers in general. Yeah. Um, and a big day for Drew Brees and company. I mean, it was a huge day for everyone offensively. Uh, both teams, um, and this is the first time, though, we really saw the 49ers defensively really take a shot the way they did. They took a lot of injuries as well. A mm-hmm. lot of uh, a lot of key players for them went down in this game, perhaps a costly win. Meanwhile, the field goal kicking contest was going on at the Meadowlands. Jets taking on the Dolphins. Um, you may not have seen more two more inept offenses in this game, but I'll tell you what, the kicking game was A A plus. Shout out to the uh, Jets defense for keeping the Dolphins out of the end zone. Yes. Um, because that would have changed the entire tide. Shout out to uh, Sam Darnold, albeit by way of penalty, but still was able to drive <laughs> down the field, get those guys in position to, to score. So the Jets were well on their way to lose this football game, but they found a way to win, which is a major plus for the development of this staff and also their young quarterback in Sam Darnold. So I thought this was a great win for for Gang Green. And it helps build that momentum going into Thursday night against the Baltimore Ravens. And they will need every bit. I don't think field goals will do it, though. They won the game, by the way, 22-21. And shout-out to Jason Sanders, the kicker from Miami, who went 7 of 8 in this game. You couldn't have gone perfect. It would have won the game, but still huge. On to the next one. Tampa Bay taking on Indianapolis. This one, we we knew it was going to be somewhat big. We didn't know how critical this would be and end up becoming. Tampa Bay gets the win, 38-37, in the new and improved creamsicle uniforms, by the way. I know, Emery, you're the the uh, uniform connoisseur. Your thoughts on the new helmet for the creamsicle uniforms for Tampa Bay with the full-blown pirate head, not just the tiny one? I thought that was like a, a mock-up. Was that the real thing? I think they, that's what they're going with. I think it came officially from Tampa Bay. So From, from, the, from the Bucks Twitter account, yeah. That what I saw this weekend was fantastic. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, was, so if it's coming from the official Bucks account, then I'm all in. About time they bring back some color. Now, if, they, if you're the Houston uh, – I was about to say Houston Texans. If you're the Tennessee Titans, I love the, new, the old oil. I love the new stuff they have, though. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. That changed. But if they really want to go to the Super Bowl, they have to bring back the oiler blue – in yes. red and white. Yes, absolutely. But getting I'm gonna have to, the, to fact check this though, because I don't. They be liking, uh, oh, come you know, on. like fake stuff on Twitter. So I don't, <laughs> yeah, sure. I gotta I make am. sure it came from the <laughs> official account before I get excited. <laughs> anyway, Tampa Bay taking on the Colts. They win 38-37. Alex, what happened on the field besides the uniforms? Yeah, um, we'll get more into the what is Jameis Winston and everything he <laughs> what, what are you? He showed off the full skill set in this game, but uh, mainly uh, big uh, down to the Colts here. I mean, this is a must-win game for them in the really tightly packed AFC South, um, and dropping this one pretty much just allowed the Titans to slip right into that top sp- uh, top spot with the Houston Texans. 
uh, among the first place teams down there. By the way, you were giving me a stick. It was something that you retweeted. That yeah, I it saw. didn't come from no official Bucks account. There were Bucks accounts that had there as the photographer as well as the source in the photos. So if you looked at the photos, you would know I was legitimate. And you were the <laughs> ones that initially made the illegitimate claim it was because you're the one who retweeted it, not me. I didn't and retweet it. I just commented on it. And I'm, and I'm looking at it. I'm like, this clearly is... I was like, he's not talking about what I was talking about because clearly what I was talking about was just a mock-up. But mm. once again... Dave watching fake news. Nah, I don't it, think so. It, the tweet clearly says, imagine <laughs> if these were Buck's full-time uniforms. Then it has a photographer and their Twitter account for no reason, because I saw the same thing you saw, and there was official accounts on there. Imagine. I think they said imagine if they had it every week. Anyway, on to the next game here. Jeez, Dave. Chargers <laughs> taking on the Jaguars. Chargers actually showed up for a game. Where has this been all year? They went 45-10. to 10. They dominate Jacksonville. Austin Eckler with an excellent game. 101 yards rushing, 112 yards receiving, plus a touchdown. Can the Chargers play like this every week just for their fans' sake? I'm surprised they put up this many points as well. But also, remember I talked about Gardner Minshew mm-hmm. being the answer? They he scored ain't. 10 points. He ain't. <laughs> he, you know what I'm saying? So there are bigger issues than the quarterback play in Jacksonville. There, there are a lot that they have to work on. Maybe they're just not that good. Is it sad the fact, though, that I saw that scoreline at halftime and thought, how in the world are the Chargers going to lose this? What's <laughs> right. happened this week? Is that the sad thing, reality right. of their <laughs> franchise still? <laughs> on to the next one here. Steelers taking on the Cardinals. The rejuvenated Pittsburgh Steelers looking for win number eight and a guaranteed 500 record again. And they take care of business. They win 23-17. Kyler Murray, the most passing touchdowns by an Arizona rookie quarterback in the Super Bowl era. But Devlin Hodges, now 3-0 as a starter, and he's now knocked off back-to-back Heisman Trophy winners. How do you like that, man? <laughs> Devlin Hodges, Duck Hodges. Respect the thing. FCS. Hey, 16-19, 152 yards, um, just doing enough. I mean, and he takes some shots, and and he's he's very accurate with the ball. He's doing his job, and this is without James Conner. This is without Juju Smith. I mean, this is a guy that's just keeping things floating. He understands something that Mason Rudolph was understanding, that if you don't make mistakes with a Mike Tomlin coach team and a defense that they have, you're probably going to win the game, and yep. that's what he's doing. He's keeping them afloat. Um, it'd be ni- it'll be nice to see when uh, some of those pieces get back, though. What uh, if they let him loose a little bit more? Absolutely, and he's not afraid to throw the ball, which is a nice thing to see from a quarterback in the NFL. On to the next one: Chiefs taking on the Patriots. Controversy abounds in this one. This was a rematch of last year's playoff matchup that ended in very controversial fashion. This one was no exception. Kansas City gets the win in Foxborough, which is a very, very good achievement. 23-16. The New England Patriots' offensive struggles continue, and it's their first loss at home since week four of 2017. Now imagine if they would have called that that uh, Nikhil Harry play a touchdown. <sighs> See how you follow what imagine means in that situ- situation, <laughs> uh-huh. Dave? Uh-huh. Shut up. <laughs> but this was a game where, where refs call, caused – probably cost them a victory and the, the the limit on challenges cost them a victory and we'll talk about all of that later on in the podcast because it's not the first time that this has happened this year shout out to uh breeland though because he had an interception yep. and had the textbook pass breakup to end the game 
without touching the, the, the receiver. He didn't panic in that situation, got over and around, um, you know, a Julian Edelman. Uh, is that Edelman? Edelman was yeah. the balls too. Yeah, yeah. Edelman, yeah. Got over uh, around him and batted the ball away. Perfect. On to this next one here, Tennessee taking on Oakland. The Ryan Tannehill rebirth might be a reality and not just a flash in the pan in Tennessee. Rumors swirling after this game that there's a new contract being negotiated for Tannehill. Not just, you know, eh, you know, we'll give you a little bit of bonus. No, no, no. Full-blown contract. They win 42-21. He's 6-1 as a starter this year. Yeah, starting to think the offensive guru down in Miami who said they got the best out of him. <laughs> hmm, um, interesting. So, no, Tannehill looks everything that what everyone expected him to look like in Miami at some point. He's he's not just managing games. He's winning games for this team. Yeah. And um, they take on an Oakland team that's been struggling these last couple of weeks. Um, they were a team that we were in position for that sixth spot in the wild card for a while. And then uh, three now losses in a row. Uh, struggling specifically defensively, just giving up points galore. Um, but, yeah, shout-out to Tannehill and this offense. Derrick Henry again goes for over 100 yards and two more touchdowns on the ground. And on to the Sunday night game here. What happened to both L.A. teams? I don't know what they added to their diets this week, but they both showed up. L.A. Rams showing a little bit of a flash of a couple of years ago's Rams that took the NFL by storm, and they might have exposed the Seattle Seahawks in the process. 28-12. The L.A. Rams win. They've won four of their last five games against Seattle. They're still 8-5. The L.A. Rams are not dead yet. They're not at all. And those uniforms that they wear just make offense looks great. Oh, yeah. It just looks great. <laughs> Everything looks perfect in it, in it you know, on offense when they wear those uniforms. Um, and I'm glad this game kind of ended the way it did or was heading the way it, it did because I needed to go to sleep <laughs> to get up early at 2 in the morning. So by halftime, I, I was like, you know what? This game is over. I caught the rest of the game on the flight back from Daytona this morning on uh, Rewind and pretty much second half just confirmed the reason why I went to sleep. So complete <laughs> team effort right there by the Rams offense and defense won that football game for them. It's, it was certainly an intriguing week. We've had a couple more teams now clinch playoff position, but there's still a lot of question marks. And let's start with the biggest question mark of them all, and that is Jameis Winston. And it's less of an exclamation uh, question mark. It's question mark exclamation point what is this who is this guy because no one can seem to figure him out he became the first player in nfl history this week to throw for four interceptions three uh, four touchdowns three interceptions rushed for a score and had 400 yards passing this tampa bay team since he's taken over and gotten full control of the reins has been almost unstoppable yet he can't stop himself from turning the ball over and yet this 6-7 and seven team, by the way, got eliminated from postseason contention, and yet Dallas, if they win the division, might host a playoff game with the same record. So what in the world, if you're the Tampa Bay Buccaneers ownership, do you do with Jameis Winston? Because you know there's got to be better quarterbacks in terms of efficiency, but my lord, the dude can put up points. Listen, Jameis Winston is America's quarterback. <laughs> I think the entire country loves Jameis Winston. So, you're, so, you, so let me just put this He represents all that's right with America. You, you, you've got you, – <laughs> Davidson is America's team for the FCS. We've got that on lock now. Exactly. Now Jameis Winston is America's quarterback for the NFL. And Bud Foster is America's defensive coordinator at Virginia Tech. <laughs> do, do we also want to throw in uh, – do we want to go with uh, the coach at Illinois, his beard? Is that America's beard? No, nah, America, I, I thought you were going with coach, but America's coach has to be Bobby Bowden. 
but now since he's not coaching anymore, I would say Roy Williams of North Carolina. Okay, okay. So, Fair you enough. know, America's coach. Uh, but Jameis, to me, is is maddening, but it's also you like, yo, dude, you can't keep throwing interceptions. <laughs> and in and, and his defense, he understands he can't keep throwing interceptions. But you know what you like? You like 7.9. 7.9 and this year 8.0. That's the yards per attempt. Yeah. Jameis pushes the ball down the field. And that's the reason why you see two 1,000 yard receivers. Now, granted, we won't see Mike Evans anymore this season right. uh, because of the hamstring, but it doesn't matter. The throw he made down the sidelines to Mike Evans was a dime. The throw he made to uh, Brashard Perriman for the game winning touchdown was a dime. And a lot of these, the throw he made to Godwin last week against Atlanta, how did he get that ball in between two defenders? Dime. And the way Jameis plays to me, and I see this a lot in the CFL, where interceptions don't kill you, where because of this, you know, two downs and, you know, you're punting, you know, you get you get so many possessions. Right. And so the interceptions don't really kill you. It, it, it kind of rewards you for being aggressive. So if you're going to be aggressive, you want you know don't don't hesitate to take a chance. But in the NFL, where possessions are you know a little bit, it's a different game. You can't turn the ball over like this. But if he's having turnovers early in games, it probably doesn't you know matter. But that's yeah. why you like him on the back end because it seems like when the game is on the line, Jameis tends to protect the football. And so if you can just find a way to trim the attempts. Uh, in the in the first half, because what I don't like is what I'm seeing here throughout his career. 537 attempts, 567, 442, 378 last year, but he only played nine games. This year, already at 512. If they can find a run game and take a lot of mm-hmm. those attempts away, yeah, you decrease the opportunity for the interceptions, thus putting him in more go and get this one for situations where we know he protects the ball. Yeah, that was going to be my point exactly, is that if you get this guy a running game and he doesn't have to shoulder the entire offense and shoulder the entire workload, this is a guy that you see the talent. You see it when he when he threw that game-winning touchdown pass. You see and other plays where he's making off-schedule plays. You yeah. see it, the dimes. Um, if you could just limit those attempts, those tough situations where he's throwing on those second and third and longs and he's throwing into double coverage and you know whatever he's doing um, – and you get himself a running game that can make it second and four for him. Yeah. This could be a guy that you see the talents there. You can't just throw away, which I know a lot of people. I mean, I, in the beginning of the year, I was definitely on that train where if this guy can't stop turning the ball over, you know. I mean, most times when you see those stat lines, you see, I should say, the turnover stat lines. He's got yeah. 28 already on the year. You would think this team's probably maybe one win. Maybe two wins. This dude's led him to yeah. six and seven, um, despite him just constantly like, oh, I threw a touchdown, shit myself in the foot. Oh, another touchdown, shoot the other foot. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, <laughs> how can I do this with one arm now? You know, but I mean, it's he's definitely got the talent where you want, where you can see why Bruce Arians was like psyched about this job and was like, I can make this work. And despite the turnovers, you just get him some help. And I think this guy could lead them somewhere. It's, and he's yeah. 25. That's the other part too. He's still young. young. Right. He came right. in young, and you know what? what it, it's not like it's intercept. And again, every intercept tells a story. 
and remember we were in here talking about how there were good interceptions and bad interceptions. When when uh, Arians quickly defended him post game, it was like, you know, these three of these four interceptions right. weren't his fault. Right. Quickly, right off the bat. But when you see the interceptions, like when he throwing it, when he's throwing it directly to the linebacker and linebacker goes eighty yards, like you just want to, you, you don't even want to scream at him. Just like yo. Just walk me through, <laughs> like, why? what did you see there? Because he clearly has on a white jersey, and there was no one around. Like, did you not think he was going to jump? Yeah. But then when you see him make the throws like he makes to Godwin or deep down the field, and the fact that you, you like that he has short memory. Right. Because right. most quarterbacks just be gun-shy after throwing. Alex Smith, his rookie year, one touchdown, 11 picks. And then his second year got a little bit better, but still was throwing picks. And they benched him for, I think, um, uh, I want to say it was either JT O'Sullivan or somebody like that. They, they benched him. Uh, maybe it was Tim Rattay. It was one of those. those yeah, uh, I was thinking Rattay. Yeah, yeah, one of those British quarterbacks. And once he got the job back, he became conservative Alex Smith. Was afraid to take a chance. That's why. And so with Jameis. And I like that they're letting him just trying to hopefully work through this. But this is also a byproduct of trying to – there were beat writers that were saying, like, you know, have Jameis learn from Ryan Fitzpatrick. Yeah. This is what we have now. Yeah. You know, Ryan Fitz, yeah. why would you want him to learn from Ryan Fitzpatrick? This, this, this is, is the byproduct. This is more talented Ryan Fitzpatrick. Exactly. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So Less I think – More talent. I think Jameis, um, because of how he leads and how he, you know, gets these guys to – to, to believe and to not really flip out on him after these interceptions. Yeah. I in, if, Like you, Alex, I was thinking in the beginning of the season after it was constant turn, it was like, okay, they're probably going to move on. They had to bench him at some they point. To, yeah. Or they're just going to, you know, they're going to Marcus Mario to him, right? Right. But we even said, though, a week later, like, you know, if it came down to Jameis and Mariota, who would you trust? It would be Jameis. Be, even with the turnovers, because Mariota is gun shy and just seems timid in the pocket. Yeah, we know that's not Jameis's makeup. So, I think Tampa. I think Tampa signs him, maybe not to a big monster deal, but they sign him. And they, like you said before, they maybe draft a guy, uh, Dave, in the third round. You know, you brought that up for another There's team. There's some good running backs coming out of this I'm talking draft about uh, I'm talking for about competition uh, oh, for quarterback com- yeah, 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 yeah draft yeah. a young guy to, to, to mold just to and push develop. him just yeah. to push him a little bit and say hey you know we like what you do but, but just so you're not married to him and, and yeah. but they clearly need a bell cow and if they can get a bell cow with their options they've proven they can beat the Saints the Panthers the Falcons they've proven they can beat everybody in that division right yeah and get a guy that can get you – he doesn't even have to be a stud. Just get a guy that gets you 70 yards, 60, 70 yards on the ground. 25 and, carries a game. And a, yeah, and a guy that you can also – you can check the ball down to once in a while. Because I think that's part of it is he's looking down the field, down the field when if you had a running back that can make plays in the open field, you jump him down to him and let him get seven or eight yards for him. Maybe in the back of his head he starts to think, you know what? Don't force this. Dump it down. It's second yeah. down. Let me make it third and two instead of, you know, third and ten or pick six. Because somebody – I don't mean to cut you off, Dave. Because somebody brought up uh, – and I want to I wanna make the um, the splits. So go ahead with your point and I, uh, give me time to uh, pull it up. I think the biggest thing with him is that you, like, you're, you, know, you don't need a power running back. You don't need a guy that's going to carry the ball 30, 40 times a It'll game. It'll help, but yeah, exactly. You, 
give me 20, 20 carries a game to just take it out of his hands. I think with Jameis, too, it, it's weird because you saw a little bit of this when he was at Florida State. You saw a little bit of that inconsistency, but I'm glad you brought up the short memory because he's had to do that his entire career, yeah. not just with on-the-field stuff, but with off-the-field stuff, too. He's had to put a lot of stuff off to the side. I need to perform, and yeah. he's done that. Yeah, to his credit, he could have been buried with all that off-field stuff that <sighs> yeah, he had to deal with absolutely. coming out of the draft, and then this first year or two he had the issues, the Uber all that stuff. All that stuff he had to deal with. He and, and just with the short memory of all these interceptions at some point, like Emery was saying, with a guy like Alex Smith who completely changed his game, this is something he's not. He's like, this is me. So if I'm going to work this out. You know what I mean? And, he's, uh, yeah. and he's, he goes in every game with, we're going to win this game. I find, I'm going to yeah. throw for this, you know, do I, his thing. I find it odd that in the year of the backup quarterback, when we see so many guys replaced, one of the few guys that's been the constant yeah. is Jameis Winston. Out of this whole, <laughs> that is a very good out point. Out of this whole group, you had, you know, Brady's not going to change. Mahomes missed a couple games because right. of injury, but he's not leaving. Uh, one of the few guys who's sticking around <laughs> is Jameis Winston. Of all the people, if anything, it's like, it's him and Mr. Biscuit. How in the world are both of them still where they're at right now? Now, here's the name. Uh, I, f- I finally got it set up. At first, it was some someone brought up Brett Favre. He, it was like Jameis Winston is Brett Favre of this era. Yeah. The other name that w- that's very interesting, and I, I'd be interested to hear you guys take on this, statistically, they're very similar at this point in their career. Their fourth year in the, in the NFL um, and passing yards and also touchdowns and also interceptions. Record is about the same too. I want to make who I want to make a guess. This is far fetched, probably all wrong, but Peyton Manning. It is Peyton. Manning. Oh, it is Peyton Manning. Boom. Peyton Manning. You two are conspiring against me. I see how this good. is. I, listen, I got nothing from you. That was a total guess. From '98 <laughs> to '01, Peyton Manning's first four seasons, he was 32 and 32 as a starter. Jameis, 27 and 40. Completion percentage, 61 percent for Peyton. 61.5 for Jameis. Passing yards, 16,418 for Peyton, 18,741, 43 for Jameis. Touchdowns, 111 for Peyton, 114 for Jameis. Interceptions, 81 for Peyton, 81 for Jameis. <laughs> Passer rating, 85.1 for Peyton, 87.2 for Jameis. Rushing touchdowns 7 for Peyton 10 for Jameis Jameis has a thousand yards rushing Peyton had 408 so what you're saying is Jameis Winston needs to be traded to a team that plays in a dome and then he'll get to about four or five Super Bowls during his career or <laughs> if you surround him with now you know what's the difference here Edron James and Marshall Falk yeah so Peyton went from Marshall Falk to Edron James Jameis went from Doug RB1 yeah. to RB2 yeah. yeah, like there's no names. There, there is no names. Yeah. It's he went from running back number one to running back number two. <laughs> yeah, did he even play the one year? Did he play with uh, Doug Martin? His on his big year on uh, his the year he went. They went nine and seven. Uh, let me double check. Tampa that was 2016. His second season. Um, and as we go to our research department, Embry, please. <laughs> Jaquiz Rogers and Doug Martin. Doug Martin played eight games that year, but Jaquiz Rogers was their leading rusher. They went nine and seven that year. Still not a good run game, you right. know. And so, imagine if he had a, because they have good receivers. They don't have Marvin Harrison. Would they? Let's say they could, which is Mike Evans. Do so they have a, a playmaker? Right. Their uh, their other receiver is Chris Godwin. You know that could be the 
who's decent. Who's it's not decent. Bad. The Reggie Wayne. The Reggie Wayne. Right. They have the Dallas Clarks in a, a bevy of tight ends. Right. They don't have the Marshall Falk and or the Adrian James. If they get a running back, I think James is going to be all right. Anyone who says that quarterbacks can win games by themselves doesn't understand football. No. Because you can clearly see it with every successful quarterback, it's a com- it's not a quarterback. It's a complete offense. And that's what Jameis Winston needs. Speaking about teams that maybe have some reason to uh, you know, be critical of themselves, maybe thinking a little bit ahead, let's talk about some teams that took some really tough losses this week. Specifically Seattle, Houston, and Buffalo. These are three teams that very much have a chance to make the postseason. They probably will. They probably should. Seattle, though, in particular, is in big trouble because of the NFC East situation where either Dallas or Philly is going to win that division and either them, the Rams, or the Vikings are going to miss as a wild card team. But the question is, of all the teams, of these three teams that lost this weekend, who are we most concerned about at this point? To me, it's going to be the Houston Texans. And that's because Seattle in the past has have done it. Um, and they and they have a coach there in Pete Carroll that won't allow them to really play their way out of anything. And yeah. for the Bills, it's in a way the season's almost like playing with house money because nobody expects them to be where they were. And they can if they still have a game with the Pats, where if they win it, they win the division. Yeah, absolutely, they're not. Which, which is insane to think about. But when it comes and they have a defense too over there in yes. Buffalo that's among the top five in the league. Why I'm concerned with Houston is because you got a guy, Bill O'Brien, who went all in this year. He's the GM and the head coach. He's taken both responsibilities. They make the all, those trades for – they traded away Clowney. They got uh, Tunsil. They got Stills. They made these trades to win this year. And obviously for the next few years, you have Watson and company. But um, when you go out and you win a game against your former uh, employer and Bill Belichick, and then you take this step back where you got – Dominated by the Denver Broncos. The score says two touchdowns, but it was really it was. I think it was thirty-eight to ten at one point, um, or whatever it was in that in that yeah. round. Um, so to be put in a, in a in a situation like that where you're just you don't have the consistency to be the top AFC team. You're constantly dropping back and forth, back and forth. You show promise of playing with the with the bad boys of the AFC, and then you go and fall to a five-win or four-win, whatever they are, Bronco team. It's the type of stuff that's been plaguing Bill O'Brien his whole career and this Texans team from really elevating to that next level. Not to take anything away from Drew Locke, because he has oh, been on a- fire since he's gotten the job in Denver. But you're right. It, 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 they're the only team that you've really seen – inconsistency because mm-hmm. Buffalo and Seattle their losses have been to good football teams right which you know they're going to be competitive with but at the same time Buffalo I think is the least to worry about because their offense is good not great we knew that their defense is phenomenal their defense is right there their defense is going to keep them in the game and you can't say that about the Houston top three defenses in the league but do we have to worry about Seattle though Emery because offensively they're not clicking the same way the Patriots just aren't clicking they're doing well enough at times but it's not the wow look at the Seattle offense I'm still blown away with this James Winston Peyton Manning comparison. Because the numbers are He's ridiculous. gone down the rabbit hole. He's gone down the rabbit He's hole, gone. folks. It's gone. He's it's, gone. It's Peyton over. was 0-2 in the playoffs, though, and James had never been to the playoffs. But I'm more worried about the Seahawks' offense. And I'm also worried about the Buffalo Bills because oh, okay. of where they are in the AFC. They still have to play Pittsburgh. They have to play New England. And they have to play the Jets. And the Jets are playing better. That game is going to be close regardless. That's going to be a close game. That's going to be a close yeah. game. 
the Steelers, we, we've seen them play really well, and they are on a tear right now. They're 8-5, yeah. and five, and they have to win that game to keep their position to keep Tennessee at bay. Right. Well, let's, let's let's look at the AFC playoff picture right now because Buffalo is one game back of New England. Right. So they can still win the division if they beat New England. The division's in their hands. True. Which is crazy. But Pittsburgh's they're at right now. Buffalo's nine and four. Pittsburgh eight and five. Houston eight and five. And Pittsburgh has that six spot. Yeah, Pittsburgh as, has as a six right spot. Now. Yeah. Tennessee at eight is and five in the hunt. So and you still can somewhat talk about a team similar to Oakland who's six and seven they're falling away they're they're out of it they they have been blasted the last couple of games they're so done. they're pretty much done Colts are done they're six and seven Cleveland's done it's Tennessee that Buffalo should be worried about which is why I'm worried about Buffalo because you have to be able to score Pittsburgh plays just as great a defense as Buffalo does number yes. one Tennessee plays very good defense but they can score True. Jets play very and, solid defense quietly. Yes. We don't know if they can score. They're just like Buffalo, in my opinion. Buffalo clearly has shown more offensively, but the Jets did have a spurt where they scored 30 points in three straight games. You don't know with the Jets. I'm right. worried about Buffalo because we've seen consistently their offense not be able to be the reason why. More so, we're talking about their defense. Now, in certain games, I thought Dallas was an example of their offense stepping up. I thought uh, against the Dolphins down in Miami, it was an example of their offense stepping up. Yeah. So we've seen it twice, in my opinion. Can we see it against very good defenses? We didn't see it against Baltimore. We didn't see it against New England the first game. We didn't see it against uh, who else they played that was a really good defense. We didn't see it against Cleveland. Cleveland has a really good defense. There are some issues here, and if they're not careful with the games they have left, they could finish nine and seven and miss the playoffs entirely, and allow the Titans to get in. It, it, it's one of those things where all three of these teams have reason for optimism going through Absolutely. the last three games, but also, as you said, one little tripwire, and all of a sudden, you might need to win out in order to get through this thing. So, the biggest thing for I think if Buffalo goes two and one in their last three, I think they're in. I think they're good. Seattle. Considering the wildcard situation in the NFC, they've got the most to lose out of this. Because Houston Houston can still win their division. They can still beat Tennessee out, and they can still win that division. Seattle's got to get past two teams. LA's coming up fast on the outside, and San Francisco continues to be a dominant force. So, Seattle, I think, might be in the biggest pressure cooker of the bunch. Good thing Greg Zerli missed that kick the first time they they met up, Seattle and LA, or this would be really, really, It'll be really tough. tough. Seattle has played so many of those type games where you look back on it, Mason Rudolph was on the brink of leading that upset in week two, I believe, right, when yeah. he came in. We talked about uh, the Bengals having an opportunity week one up there That's in right. Seattle, could have won that game. Yeah. The Saints game was close. Mm-hmm. The Ravens game was was sort of close until the pick six, but I feel like they've been flirting with those losses. Man, Seattle, their offense—I'm not as sold on defensively. We've seen them give up big plays, so to to me, they are probably the more shaky uh, ten-win team right now in the playoffs. So yeah, I'm worried about both Seattle and Buffalo. I'm not worried about Houston. I think Houston will, because of their offense and how well they can get it going. They're due for it. 
they were due for a, an A game. This was their A game. Um, and Denver is going to be in the playoffs, I think, next year because they have played hard for Fangio all season long. Yes. Drew Locke seems to be a guy that they, they like. Uh, but I am not worried about Houston. I am more worried about Seattle and Buffalo. All those teams will certainly have concerns. We'll see what soul-searching has to be done over the last three weekends. But the one concern that plagues all NFL teams, and it's been happening more and more, we've talked about it, mentioned a couple times, but it needs to be addressed, and that is the third team on the field, the officials, who this year have just been, it's hard to say replacement ref-ish, but they're getting to that point in the complete inconsistency of what we've seen on the field. And in this week in particular, the reason we had to bring it up, there were three games that the refs probably affected the outcome. You saw it in the Saints game. There was an issue. There was a huge issue in the New England-Kansas City game. I'm no New England Patriots lover by any means being a Jet fan. But this New, like New England got absolutely screwed by a call this week. And then Miami on what sometimes we've seen not even be looked at and sometimes it's been reviewed and been ruled not pass interference, gets a penalty call that gets the Jets a first down and a win. So the question is now, what in the world is going on in terms of accountability of officiating? Because it doesn't look like there is any. Yeah, what's the most aggravating part about this whole thing is that they've gone out of their way, especially after the NFC um, championship game last year. They went out of their way this offseason to make it easier on the refs. They're telling refs to let plays finish out and then we'll let the booth review it. We'll have the automatic reviews on turnovers and scores. They're saying all these th- they're doing everything they can to make it easier on the refs and they're making it harder on themselves, specifically with the inconsistencies. You For what, 13 weeks, we saw blatant pass interference calls that weren't called and go under review and they wouldn't get retur- rev- um, reversed because uh, it needed to be like beyond blatant. Like, it had to be New Orleans-esque. So they were like, all right, so pretty much you could kind of get away with pass interference if it wasn't called on the field going up into this week because they weren't going to review it anyway. And then in the same week, they review and change three of them on ma- mainly bang-bang plays. I mean, were those plays pass interference? Yes. But if you've been making those changes from week one to week 13 – you won't be seeing a problem here. Really, we, the only problem you would see was the New England game that we mentioned. But, but yeah. now you're now you've affected three games because you're not consistent, and none of these reps, as you were just saying, are are not accountable. None of these reps have to be accountable because they're protected and everything. But none of these reps face any discipline when they when they blatantly miss calls, even in reviews. But I feel bad for whoever had to keep control of Brian Flores at the end of the Miami game, too, by the way, because he looked like he was about to either punch someone out or punch something out, whether that was a window, car door, full-on wall. I'm not sure which one. But the fact of the matter is we've gotten to a point with officiating that a ref that blows a call that costs a team a game, that potentially costs them a playoff spot, millions of dollars, guys' new contracts, you know, bonuses, that sort of thing, get less accountability than a player that complains about that same call that ruined the game. Yeah. And that is an issue. First of all, Brian Flores should be mad at himself because it, that wasn't a rough issue. The player shouldn't have grabbed the, a hook, line, and sinker of the dude's right shoulder. That right. was passing the it, it was absolutely. Here's the thing. That call was right. But three weeks ago, that call might not even be reviewed. Here's, a, here's what I also hate, too, because it compounds the problem. Those officials, uh, those um, officials, official. I was about to say those <laughs> a, uh, analysts, officials that are in the booth. Oh yeah, to, who they are don't, wrong they too? Are, they are so yeah. terrible. 
They don't do anything. Why even have them there? And they're so arrogant that they're and they're wrong. They're so like, oh it's yeah, that's, a that's double a, whammy. Yeah, okay, so arrogant. get all of those. And I found out that I didn't know uh, um, Blandino never refed. How is the head of officials <laughs> never been a referee? That's why I love like Roger Goodell is making these rules on you know you know hits into the head a couple years ago when he's never played a single down. Bingo. Why in the world are we letting non-former players and non-former officials in these positions where they have control over everything? So that's that to me that whole referee union needs to be broken up because it should be experience and merit based. And they should suffer the same fate as Brett Maurer, who just got cut by the Cowboys. And Kai Fairbeth has been signed by Dallas. So it's a nice way to tie in a breaking news. Look at that. I'm a professional here. Well played. But... Yeah, that's the that'll solve their defensive problems. We, yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> completely, 100%. Right. Can he play safety? Um, but the, the refs have to do; they have to be held accountable. And like you said, you can't speak ill of the refs; otherwise, you're going to get some ridiculous right. fine. But these refs can literally blow a game, and nothing happens. Now they'll get reprimanded behind the scenes and things that they will handle it in house. Yada yada. They get graded. I get all that, but. You can't allow that to be so egregious to where if you're on if you're watching the TV and you can see a guy clearly fumble or stepped out on the field, they should be able to see it faster than you on t- watching on TV or yeah. someone in the stands watching the game or in New York watching the games to, at the, um, the command center should easily buzz in and say, you know what? Call that dead, or that was you missed that one, and it's okay to make a mistake. You're human; it's human error. Right, exactly. But correct the mistake. Right. Like I don't mind challenges and reviews, like as long as you get it right. You know, right. don't be afraid to don't look at something that's clearly past interference, review it, and say the call stands. Like, bro, you call pass interference for less. It's this so dude much, got tackled, yeah. and you said, nah, it wasn't pass interference. It's so much cloak and dagger stuff, and that's why you loved a ref like Ed Hockley, who, when he came out of a, rev- a review, would explain fully to the crowd, this is what we looked at because of this factor, this factor, and this factor. We are overturning the call. This is the ruling. That is tremendous. That's what we want. We, if, it's, if it's not going to be accountability for the ref, at least let us see behind the curtain. To uh, yeah. it, just give an example, in the sport of rugby, all of the referees have earpieces that are picked up and played during the broadcast. So if you, the refs are talking to each other when they have those giant huddles, you can hear what's being discussed. You can hear everything that's going on. So at least you're not, okay, this is what they're looking at. This is what they're discussing. It's this thing. It's this grab. It's this move. Okay, fine. Fair enough. But the accountability, like, every single person across a franchise is, is held accountable. Players are held accountable. Coaches are held accountable. We've seen owners who have been forced to sell mm-hmm. as accountability for their actions. The one group, the singular group that's not held accountable is the one that has the most control over the outcome of the game. And that's the officiating. Yeah, Blandino, Ferreira, or Piera, and Sterator. <coughs> sketchy as hell all of them like they because they don't provide any halftime you think they're not even you know paying attention to the game the ref the refs right. are right that's the only answer yeah. that, that, like, that yeah, you need that, to know is that the refs are right yeah no. very very rarely you'll say oh, i wouldn't have made that call it's like yeah, oh right. I, I, I guess they under. It, it's oh i guess they missed that one it's not he just cost the team a game by missing that call that was clearly wrong because they used to they used to be critical and then the following year it just switched to where the refs always right Mm-hmm. Like I remember they, when they first started having a you know Mike Pereira in the in the um, booth, he was 
you know, I wouldn't have made that call. That was a bad call. Like right. he should have got that one. Then all of a sudden it's oh yeah, you know, they, they I'm pretty sure they got it right. They got it right. They got it right. I wonder why. Who who talked to them right. and said, you know, stop being critical. Because it yeah. clearly sounds like it, I swear it sounds like Sterator, even though he's there in the booth, it sounds like he's watching some other television event and yeah, say, yeah. what do you think about this, Gene? He's like, eh. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, yeah, hold, hold, yeah, yeah. I mean, from what it looks like, like, bro, stop. What, what, stop scrambling. What was he watching on the other screen? Exactly. Probably what, was like quick rewind it. Quick oh, rewind it. <laughs> oh, one of the uh, number one shows on CBS that no one ever watches. And he's watching NCIS or NCIS Chicago. NCIS Milwaukee. <laughs> he's watching Chicago. She's watching Chicago PD on the USA Network or something like that. Lawrence it's, Kansas NCIS. It, like <laughs> Lawrence Kansas NCIS. Everything everything involves a wood chipper. Right. <laughs> it's like Fargo all over again um well we hope that this isn't going to be the case but now we have to go through the week 15 matchups and games that might be affected by officials but hopefully they're decided on the field by the players by the coaches and what happens sean payton and and brian flores should not be mad at officials bill belichick on the other hand yeah he has a legitimate beef granted new england times granted new england's been on the benefit of those calls for about a decade so take your fan hat off one just one time you can take it once Patriots yeah, I don't fans. feel bad for them just at all they were but, wrong but they got they were, screwed twice they were wronged for sure but Gilmore and Nikhil Harris welcome, well, been welcome what, to our world they also yes. have to they also need to eliminate the amount of challenges you know if because for, yeah forget challenges whatsoever and if a call is wrong buzz it down yeah buzz it down me. like you know you see that was egregiously missed buzz it down fix it it was right. a touchdown because if you're out of challenges because you had to challenge two other bad calls, it's like, damn, how, how, why can't keep getting rewarded for getting right challenges? And this is the whole point of the accountability on that play. The ref of the at the pylon for the, the kill Harry, what should have been touchdown, was looking for the call to say, was he in or out? Right. And that ref went out of his way to tell him that he was out of bounds. You're telling me, so either you your eyes need to be checked and you're not allowed to be on the field, or you you just said he looked like he could have been out. If you have any sort of doubt call at a all, touchdown. call a touchdown. You made your life so much easier yep. on that. Same with And same with the fumble, but that one specifically, that means the guy actually had to go there and say, I'm 100% right. You're 100% wrong, <laughs> right. and you're going to be uh, ref for the next week. By the way, shout out to Baker Mayfield. We, we, we just, we're watching highlights here. He looks more and more like a homeless bum every week he does an interview. He's playing I, like one. I, I, oh, <laughs> he has wow. two intercepts. He has 15 he had touchdowns. Three. He had three, three intercepts. Had three. 15 touchdowns, 16 picks this year. He threw 14 touchdowns, I mean 14 picks last year. We're talking about James Winston. Let's start talking about Baker Mayfield and these interceptions. Yeah, exactly. But Cleveland fans will jump on, jump in your mentions and explain away every intercept, how even though he threw it seven feet high, Jarvis Landry got a piece of the glove on it, and he has to come down with it. <laughs> of course, yeah, because he ran the wrong route. Because Stickham is that advanced, and he has Nick Chubb and now Kareem Hunt. Imagine if Jameis Winston had a little bit of help. If he had one, one of, of those, those backs, back. right? One, of those, give one. one. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's a trade partner in the in the summer. Interesting. Interesting. You might want to trade, season. Head, trade yeah. head coaches too. Hmm. <laughs> oh, no, that's not a fair trade there. Let's move into Week 15. Let's talk about it. Let's start with Thursday night. And we start with one of the three teams that has clinched the playoff spot, and that is Baltimore. They get the Thursday night game at home against the New York Jets. This one could get ugly. Short week, but I'm interested to see how the Jets compete in this ball game because their defense, I think, has started to play better um, down the stretch, even without all the pieces. I like what I'm seeing from Blessing Austin, uh, Bless Sean Austin out there from Rutgers uh, at corner. But offensively, they're going to have to really answer the call against this defense. 
Yeah, Greg Williams has really kept games close, um, and he's been able to keep the team in games, in games that they were supposed to get blown out in. So this is another example of can the offense help Greg Williams and that company. On to the Sunday night and then to the Sunday game, Seattle taking on Carolina. This is one of those games where Seattle, on paper, should win this game. But Carolina has been struggling. Maybe this is the time they wake up. Without Ron Rivera, with Kyle Allen, it's going to be a challenge for Carolina. We'll see if, you know, coming from west coast to east like Alex hey. likes to talk about, you know, the time change. <laughs> the travel manager that 10 is. 10 a.m. kickoff for Seattle folks. Will that matter against Carolina? We'll we'll see. Have I been wrong in the games? I'm just saying. Anyway, this one, <laughs> it won't affect it much. Maybe it'll be a low-scoring first half, but I expect the offense and company for Russell Wilson to kind of get right in this. And Carolina's going to have to look better than they did last week. They looked like a mess. They're going to have to correct things because if you don't, it doesn't matter how much this offense is struggling for Seattle, they'll, they'll do work. Into the next one now. I would not want to be Cincinnati this week because it's going to be a very angry New England Patriots team coming to town. But if you're New England... That Cincinnati defense is nothing to sneeze at considering your offense is kind of sputtering this year. Their offense has to be better. And defensively, I, I, I like this matchup because uh, I like the skill players of Cincinnati. I don't like their offensive line, but I like the skill players. I, I'll be interested to see how this one shakes out because I just think this is a very good matchup between two teams' strengths. Bengals offense, skill players-wise, versus that Patriots defense. Yeah, I expect this game to be low scoring, um, and it will it will be that way if Andy Dalton just doesn't turn the ball over. If Andy Dalton can limit the mistakes in this game, this could be a game that goes down to the wire. Speaking of turnovers, Jameis Winston and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers take their show to Detroit this week. This is one of those places where you expect maybe a few less turnovers from Jameis Winston. Detroit's defense, though, is still kind of solid. Remember they drafted a tight end in the top ten? Oh, boy. <laughs> Remember they oh drafted a running back that was always injured at Auburn? was always banged up. And, and what a shock. He's injured this year. Hmm. If Tampa Bay's defense doesn't come out and show out in this ball game, I would be highly disappointed. So we could potentially see Tampa Bay push their record to 7-7. Seven seven. Quietly. Yeah. It's uh, crazy. This is a Lions team that does not run the ball, and this is one of the best run defenses in football. So David Blau is going to have to – Blau, baby. Really. <laughs> have to really rear, uh, rear it back and fire in this game in order to keep up with, yes, Winston might give you a touchdown or in some field goal uh, uh, possessions, but he's going to put up points. But like America, he fights back. It, it's never great, by the way, when your last name is the same as the Batman punch. Blau. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. Pow. Crack. Anyway, on to the next one. One of the undisputed best rivalries in the NFL, Chicago versus Green Bay. The Bears are still above 500 at this point of the season. We didn't think that after about a month into this year. Green Bay winning, but not overly convincing so far. This is a big one for them. Well, according to Twitter, the Bears have found their franchise quarterback after last week. Sure they have. So we'll see if he can, <laughs> if franchise quarterback Mitch, money-making Mitch, can stack back-to-back-to-back solid games. And Mitch is going to have to play like he did last week, and that's use your legs when you need to. Stop trying to throw the ball down the field. And that's it looks like the offense has switched up a little bit. Nagy's realized, okay, this guy can throw the ball more than 15 yards down the field accurately. Let's do the short, simple passes. Let's rely on the running game and let Mitch use his legs. He does that in this game. They have a shot with that defense. An intriguing one in this next one. Denver travels to Kansas City. Kansas City has already won their division. They are in. But this Denver team has come in on fire. If you're the Chiefs who are looking to build momentum into the playoffs, 
this might be the last team you want to see right now. I mean, you traveling from the West Coast to a Central Time Zone. It's, it's, <laughs> that hour know, difference. That hour difference makes a difference. But Amen. <laughs> this is going to be a fun game because I'm excited to see these young Broncos, man. I, I like watching Denver play. You've got one of the best young guns in the NFL going up against Patrick Mahomes. And uh, oh, it didn't work this week like it did last week oh, with the Kirk Cousins no. Russell Wilson thing. Come on now. No. Anyway. Ah, killed it. Anyway. All <laughs> arm, you, get, do, you do get all the arm strength in this ball game, though. Yes. And it's. I think this is going to be a big test for Drew Locke because this Chiefs off, uh, defense has stepped up these last couple of weeks and have looked like the team that's been complementing the offense a little bit. So it's going to be a big test for a team that really needs a win for the playoffs. The return of Eli Manning, the New York Giants hosting the Miami Dolphins. This is much more about who wants to avoid a top five pick rather than anything else. But here's the question, with Daniel Jones on the shelf for possibly the rest of the season, can Eli Manning earn back the starting job for Big Blue? For what? You mean 2020? Possibly. No. Nah, he's done. He's got four weeks. <laughs> he's done. Bro. He's got four weeks. You what, know how Giants fans are. <laughs> what I want to see in this game is the Giants defense. I need to see some Giants defense step up and, and give. You've seen positive plays from Daniel Jones. You've seen positive play from Darius Slayton. You've seen positive play from uh, other young players on that offense. Defensively, collectively, with all that youth, by now, you want to see improvement. This is a game where you want to see improvement. It's a game where I would like to see Saquon Barkley get back to uh, Saquon Barkley, considering this is not a very good run defense in Miami. So having uh, getting back to that and seeing uh, having that help Eli Manning, this is something that I, uh, I'm looking for because fantasy season. And uh, Saquon Barkley has uh, got to start helping people out here. That sounds like a hint and a call <laughs> for help. Uh, the over-under in this next game was 37 on the early line. I think I might take the under on that. Buffalo taking on Pittsburgh. Two tremendous defenses. Uh, two quarterbacks that are trying to meander their offense to enough points to get a win. How do we see this one going? Because this could be a toss-up, and it's a pretty critical game. Yeah, pretty critical game. And can Devlin Hodges take down another first-round pick at quarterback? Like, he's looks like it's a personal vendetta from being <laughs> undrafted and you like that attitude and you like Pittsburgh's passing game starting to come alive with Hodges so Buffalo has another opportunity to silence the critics if they can come out offensively and beat this pressure of the Steelers yeah it's gonna be a great defensive battle um this is probably arguably outside of the Patriots the top two defenses in the AFC and uh right now they're playing for each other's spot right now in the, in the postseason and that, that was a game they got flexed Exactly. So that's going to be an interesting one to watch there. Which shows you that they care more about points than actual good, two good football teams going at it. Ouch. To say that this next game is huge is like saying water is wet. Texans, Titans, Nissan Stadium in Nashville tied for the lead in the division. Houston is taking a step or two back. Tennessee is full throttle going forward. Huge, huge game for both teams. Football cliche alert. This is a team that no one wants to play. Tennessee. Yeah. Tennessee is on fire right now. They're playing with confidence. Their youth is looking impressive on both sides of the ball. A.J. Brown is just a man-child out there. Derrick Henry is averaging 100 yards a game. Now the last four games, 100 yards each. Man, there's a lot in this ball game the Texans will have to overcome. So it should be a classic because one team could find themselves in first place. The other could find themselves fighting for playoff berth. So it's a huge game. 
Yeah, the one thing you can give the Texans is that when it comes to the big games, they usually step up for them. They let the the Denver Broncos, who is probably a better team than what their record says they are, um, but they let a team like Denver dominate them like we mentioned last week. This is a game that they typically show up for, and when Deshaun Watson's in a big game, we know what he can do. Uh, they should be treating this game like a playoff game, and like Emery said, this is a team in uh, Tennessee that you don't want to play, so this should, this should lead to a great battle. On to the next one here. It's hard to believe that anybody actually wants to win the NFCs, but two teams are trying to, Dallas and Philadelphia. The Eagles travel to Landover this upcoming week to face the Redskins. We know they still have another game with the Giants coming up on their schedule. This is a huge one for Philadelphia, who somehow are playing the best football in this division. Yeah, they're, they're playing good football in this division. It's, you can't really call it You can't call the it best. great. <laughs> right, because no one in this division is playing great football. I just want to see more progress from Dwayne Haskins. Um Again, until they start allowing him to be a little bit more uh, playing with a little bit more tempo and pace, you'll get to see him be a little bit more effective in the passing game. They don't allow that to happen until late in the game, and we saw him march right down the field and get a touchdown. Uh, what a great reception by McLaurin, by the way, Yes, uh, for the for the touchdown. I just For this game, going up against a very good Eagles front and pressure, I just want to see you know, Haskins take you know, some, some more steps forward. And they put these two teams played each other week one, and it took it to the second half for the Eagles to really get going and eventually take that lead um, and go up with like twenty something unanswered points in the second half. This defense has been playing very well these last several weeks here for the uh, Redskins. This is going to be a game that's going might be tougher on a guy like Carson Wentz. They're going to need uh, Jeffrey and company to stay healthy and make it through this final part of the season, and it starts here. Might be time to take the under on that game as yeah. well. Next one up, the last two Heisman Trophy winners taking each other on, Cleveland taking on Arizona. Very good week for the state of Oklahoma. If you're a Sooners fan, you'll love this game. If you're a Cleveland Browns fan, you might be looking to get back to 500. Arizona, still improving, but slowly maybe than people thought. And you could also love this game because uh, if you're an Oklahoma fan, because later on this uh, maybe today or tomorrow they announced the Heisman finalists so you yeah. could have Jalen Hurts going to New York as well so and you have a three-peat do you think I yeah, it's gonna be tough to beat Burrow yes uh, Burrow is like balling um, but this is gonna be an interesting game because Cleveland tends to keep both teams in the ball game Kyler Murray quietly throws a ton of two-yard passes um, and he has a l- little bit of skittishness that you have to be worried about um, in the pocket. There's plays where he can scramble. You saw the red zone interception he threw against the Steelers. It was like, mm. bro, run for that first down. You could probably walk in the end zone and you stop short and try to fire a football directly into the chest of T.J. Watt. Like, what were you doing? You're an athlete. Take off and run. So, interesting game here. This one should be fun to watch. Yeah, it won't get any easier after playing the Steelers, having to go up against this Browns defense, a team that desperately needs wins to get into the postseason. Um, but this Browns team is surrounded by all this drama, all these things that seem to get in their way and halt to their plans. But this is a our Arizona defense that's been struggling where you could see a guy like Baker Mayfield really step up in this game and that run game really take off. But it depends if he can be uh, if he can just limit the turnovers. On to this next one, two teams looking for answers. Jacksonville at Oakland. Although quietly for the Raiders, their games left in the Coliseum are ticking down. Uh, they want to go out on a good note, I'm sure. Uh, Jacksonville just looking for any kind of question of where they should draft besides everywhere. Quietly, the Raiders moved 
Deshaun Kaiser to QB2 yeah. ahead of uh, Mike Glennon. I don't know what that means, but I'm excited for Kaiser to get an opportunity because if they lose this game, I'm pretty sure they're going to try to get a, a long look at Kaiser uh, more so than, than Carr. So mm. I'm not saying it will happen, but shout out to Kaiser hopefully getting another opportunity. I thought he got railroaded in Cleveland. True. That would be interesting. Uh, for the Jaguar standpoint, everybody was calling for Nick Foles' head, and Gardner Minshew couldn't really muster up anything or any excitement that he was supposed to uh, muster up uh, last week. So this is another game for Minshew to learn as a rookie quarterback and against a defense that's been getting scored upon a lot lately. So this is a chance for the Jaguars' offense to get right in this one. But they do not stop the run well, and they're going to have a tough time with a guy like Josh Jacobs. So um, that's another test for them in uh, in this week. A few weeks ago, the Cowboys were probably looking at this game saying, okay, this is a game where we can get right if we need to. Now it's the last team they want to see based on what we saw last night. L.A. Rams taking on the Cowboys in Dallas. The pressure on this team is going to be absolutely immense. Can the L.A. Rams, they need this win too, though. These are two teams that are desperate for victory. One team that's looking upward, one team that's trending down. It's a huge game for Dallas, man, especially defensively. Because when you look at a, a Jared Goff that's actually completing passes to those receivers running all, all those crossing routes, it could be tough for Dallas. So their defense really has to come ready to play against L.A. Yeah, Dak's going to have a tough time in this uh, in this matchup. you got guys like Aaron Donald's going to be chasing you down, Jalen Ramsey locking up Amari Cooper. We've seen that when Amari Cooper goes quiet in games, Prescott, and you don't have the running game like you normally do with Zeke, it's tough. I mean, that could be tough on any quarterback, obviously, but it's going to shoulder Dak a lot more responsibility in this game, and it's going to have to have guys like Michael Gallup and Randall Cobb really step up for him. I wonder what the crowd reaction will be if Dallas gets down in this game because they are very hot and cold fans. If they go down, they might be playing against the 12th man for the other team. Next one up, 49ers taking on the Falcons. We know the Falcons have looked better the last couple weeks. They started to score points, and that might not be the best news for the 49ers, who just allowed a ton to New Orleans. What do we want to see from the San Francisco defense to recover? You want to see them be able to stop the passing game. You don't have to worry about the Falcons running the football. I think their running game is a non-factor. Defensively, can the Falcons play, you know, can bring what they did last week um, against Carolina into this game and match that same level of, of intensity. Can their defense step up and get some stops? Because the Falcons shouldn't be 4-9. We all can agree. Uh, but we, we can look at this team as, you know, this is a barometer for where they are, where they should be, or uh, what they can be in 2020. Yeah, the 49ers can't take this game looking at the record and thinking they're going to handle business because Matt Ryan and company have been playing much better than the record shows. And, yeah, they just gave up 46 points to the New Orleans Saints. Um, this is Matt Ryan and company can do just that. Same thing, especially if you got a healthy Julio and uh, and Calvin Ridley on your, uh, on your outsides. Minnesota taking on the L.A. Chargers in Carson, California. We know that... Kirk Cousins sometimes in the big moment kind of gets too much for him, but he needs to win this game if the Vikings are going to have any chance, and maybe the Chargers might be getting hot at the right time. What Chargers team will show up will be the biggest question. Should be a good game in uh, anyway because I, I like the Chargers defense, and this is a good test for them against that Vikings offense. 
This is classic Chargers. Either start the season so well and fall <laughs> off, or they just get it going at the wrong time, which is at 5-8 and eight right now. Um, but, yeah, this is a big test for Kirk Cousins. Um, they won their must-win game against the Lions last week type of game that you usually see them struggle in. This is another game that you could see them struggle in. I mean, the Chargers are playing well, and this is a game where they have to go on the road, you know, that east to west. And then uh, and it's just – this is going to be a type of game for Kirk Cousins where – it, the consistency factor has to be there, and he's going to go up against a defense that's been playing that's been hot right now. You need to be consistent and prove that you're the more dominant team. And the final game of this week 15 is on Monday night in New Orleans. The Saints taking on the Colts. Colts are pretty much dead and buried in this division. They still have an outside chance to make it, but it's very very slim. As for New Orleans, they now have to keep pace with San Francisco if they want to have that number one seed in the NFC. Huge game for Indianapolis. Uh, because the Saints defense will give you opportunities to hit big plays downfield. Can yes. Jacoby Brissett stretch the ball downfield and attack vertically against the Saints secondary? So if that's the case, then the Colts can find themselves getting back in that, that conversation at least or being you know, firmly entrenched in the hunt. I don't know if they can get into the playoffs, but at least they'll be still in the hunt graphic. <laughs> Uh, yeah, this is going to be big for the Colts because this is make or break their season right now. I mean, yeah. they might have done a little – it might be a little too late, but this is this is literally the last gasp. And I know it's tough going up against the Saints team on the road um, on a primetime uh, level on Monday night that just lost a tough one. Um, so it's going to be it's gonna be a, a, a real tough showdown here. But expect the Saints and offense to do the same. It's just can the Colts keep up. Well, folks, that'll do it for the NFL All-32 Podcast. There's only three weeks left in the season. Every game is critical. And if you want to listen back on any of our previous podcasts before the Sunday action kicks off, you can do that on SoundCloud and iTunes On Demand. Just subscribe to the Football Game Plan Podcast in the section. Make sure you don't miss any of our content coming there. And obviously, keep an eye on those refs because they might need to keep an extra set of eyes on them. Emery, anything else you want to add here? footballgameplan.com slash gogooffense get your copy of the gogo offense book which is flying off the shelves you can order your copy today footballgameplan.com slash gogooffense they make a very good stocking stuffer i must say that must make a very good stocking stuffer and it's starting to show up in the nfl a little bit so you might want to pay attention to this one folks by the way Go Army, beat Navy. Just a little side note as we go into Army-Navy weekend. That'll do it for the NFL All-32 podcast. Thanks for listening in, folks, and we will see you for Week 16.